You are listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, the Daily Missouri. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about the church, you can reach us at www.bethelassembly.info. Tonight I want to look at cha- two chapters specifically in the book of Genesis. I want to look a little bit at chapter 12, and I'm, I'm not going to re-preach what Pastor Ryan preached because he did a, a tremendous job, but I want to look at some key points that occurred in that chapter, but also move into chapter 13. See, I believe there are some decisions that are being made in these two chapters that you and I can learn a few things from tonight. Some of them were good. Some of them were not so good, but I want to take the time to process through these choices that were being made and find out tonight how do they relate to your life and to my life in 2018. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, says this, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Now don't misunderstand, it doesn't say live perfectly. Okay, don't, don't confuse that. Live righteously. That means strive to, look, strive to live a lifestyle that's pleasing to God and move forward in our direction with Him. And He will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else in your decision making, in your daily choices, in processing throughout the day. Seek the kingdom of God first and foremost. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Let me ask you this question tonight. When you're seeking direction, when you're seeking wisdom, where do you look? Where do you find your wisdom? Maybe it's from social media, maybe you Google your wisdom, maybe you call a friend, or do you turn to God? When making those important decisions, what is it that steers that process? Tonight, for the next few moments, I want to look at three effects of our decisions. Three outcomes, three things that happen Due to our decisions. Number one is this. There is an impact made by obedience. There's an impact made by obedience. Now I don't want to take too much time in this point. Because once again Pastor Ryan covered in completion a few weeks ago. But suffice it to say that because of Abram's obedience. Many were blessed. Let me say it again. Because of Abram's obedience, many were blessed. We see Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 4 says this. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. Because of Abram's obedience, many were blessed. Over and over and over throughout the Bible, we see God responding to the obedience of people. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, we're reminded that obedience is greater than sacrifice. 
Obedience is greater than sacrifice. We can come and we can worship every day, but if our life is not a life of obedience, then all we are doing is giving God lip service. And it's not worship that God desires. Listen carefully. God is longing for those that will walk with Him in obedience. He's longing for that relationship where you will trust Him in the good times and He'll trust Him in the bad times. You'll trust Him with obedience in the difficulty. You'll trust Him with obedience in the celebration. Regardless, God is asking us to walk with Him, to go with Him, simply to trust Him in obedience. There's an impact made by your obedience. I've titled this point Impact of Obedience simply because there is an impact that occurs when we follow the commands of God that far surpass our immediate moments. Did you know that? God said to Abram, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. That's a major impact. That is a huge impact. All the families on earth. Can you imagine if God looked at you tonight and said, here's what I want you to do. And if you follow the command that I give to you, if you're obedient in your steps with me, every person on this earth will be blessed because of you. Wow. Huge impact. Every single life because of the obedience of one man. But here's what I have discovered. How we respond to God's instruction determines what God is able to do in and through us. How we respond to God's instruction determines what God is able to do in and through us. So here is the question I have for you. Have you limited God's ability by your refusal to be obedient? Well, you guys were noisy a while ago. Now you're quiet. Have we limited what God is able to do because of our refusal to obey His command? Well, pastor, it wasn't really easy. It was a hard thing to do. Well, what did He tell Abram? Leave your native country, leave your relative, leave your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. He doesn't say, go to this beautiful resort, all-inclusive, and hang out there. He says, I'll show you where to go, but I need you to leave everything that you know. But if you're obedient, every family on the earth will be blessed. Have we limited God's ability because of our refusal to be obedient? Let me get a little deeper here. Work with me. Is there a life that will miss eternity? Is there a situation that will never be resolved? Is there a blessing that will never be given? Because of our refusal to be obedient. 
How would things have changed if Abram would have looked at God and said, Nah, I like my family. I like living in this native country. I don't want to leave all my relatives. Nah, I'm good. How, how would things have changed? Or what about Noah? What, what if Noah would have said, you know what? I don't really want to build an ark. How about I just build a bass boat? I know that I can't carry as many animals, but hey, I can go fishing. What about Jesus? What if he had refused to give himself on the cross? You see, there's an impact in response to our obedience. But there's also an impact in response to our disobedience, to our lack of obedience. Is there some situation that will never be resolved? Is there some individual that will miss out on eternity? Is there a blessing that will never be given because, well, we simply refused to obey? The second effect that I see is this. Deception brings about destruction. What deception took place? Pastor Ryan hinted to it just a little bit during his message. It was Abram and his wife Sarai. As they were entering into Egypt, Moses took a moment and he, he looked over at Sarai and he said, Oh yeah, I did good. She is a pretty, pretty woman. Right? Come on, read the scriptures. She was quite attractive, but he said, I've got to do something. I've got to figure something out. Sarai is so beautiful that Pharaoh is going to be drawn to her. So I see four responses of Abram in Egypt. Number one was this. Abram moved from trusting to scheming. In his response, he moved from, from trusting to scheming. Before he entered Egypt and after exiting Egypt, we see Abram building an altar and taking the time to worship God. Yet in Egypt, this practice seems to be missing. He moves from trusting the call of God to scheming his way through life. He begins by relying or begins to rely on self rather than relying on God. We see him failing to run to the altar of God, yet embracing the altar of self. Just a few scriptures before, he's saying, God, I'll go where you want. And God says, I'll bless the people because of your obedience. And now he's scheming his way through Egypt. How often do we find ourselves doing much the same? Leaning upon self. Leaning upon our limited knowledge and limited ability. It's theologian Warren Wearsby that once said this, when you stop trusting God's word, you start leaning on man's wisdom, and this leads to trouble. Have you ever tried to lean upon man's wisdom? 
Yeah, it doesn't work out very well, does it? Seems like every time we begin to lean upon man's wisdom, we find ourselves stumbling or, or tripping or, or finding ourselves in a more difficult situation. The problem with relying upon the wisdom of self is that our wisdom is limited. It's confined to yesterday and today. It cannot venture into tomorrow. No matter how hard I try, no matter how hard I concentrate, I can't tell you exactly what's going to happen tomorrow. I have a plan, I have an idea, I have my schedule, but I'm not guaranteed that's what's going to transpire. However, the wisdom of God moves in and through all time and is not limited to what is currently known. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 tells me this, stop deceiving yourselves. Look at your neighbor and say, stop deceiving yourself. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. Then in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, a well-known scripture reminds us to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Life will show you some paths that aren't necessarily the right path. This past week, I was at Southern Missouri Campgrounds at the Lake of the Ozarks, and I had to leave camp Tuesday morning and head to a meeting in Lori, Missouri. I had never been to Lori, Missouri. I'd never gone from the campgrounds to Lori, Missouri. So I put it in the GPS and told Siri, take me to, and I gave her the address. And she gave me one of two options. One of them had a toll road. And one of them took a little bit longer, but I was in my Mini Cooper, so I thought I can make up time, and I could, I could really save money and have the same time, time span, and it should be all right. Sounds good, right? I should have taken the toll road, because on the way to Lori, Missouri, suddenly I'm heading down this paved road, and Siri says, turn right. I look to the right. It's a gravel road. And I use the word road very loosely. I thought, surely that's not the right path. I'm going to the next one. About a quarter mile down the road, she told me to turn right once again. And guess what? Another gravel road. So I thought, well, here we go. So I got on the gravel road, and, and I went down about five miles down gravel roads, and I make it to Lori, Missouri. And then on the way back, I thought, well, I'm going to go that path again because the gravel road wasn't that bad. Well, this time, she got me on that first road. You know what she originally wanted me to go on? And it started out a loosely road, turned into a path, one of those that has like the hump in the middle with the grass growing and, and, the, and the little bit of gravel. And then, then it went from that to worse. It had these big potholes. I'm in a Mini Cooper. I'm going I'm going to die, right? I'm waiting for some guy to jump out of the woods with a banjo. I'm like, this is really not going to go down very well at all. So then I'm going down this road, humongous potholes. I'm dodging all of these things. I get to a small, short bridge. And at the end of the bridge, there's an incline, um, just really short, but it's about this tall. And it's straight up. Literally straight up, about this tall. Now, again, Mini Cooper. I'm thinking, I'm not going to make it up this thing. I'm in a high center. I'm out here in Never Never Land. I'm going to die. Even so, Lord, come quickly. 
You know, so I, I get up on that ridge, and I'm going a little further. All right, and it's getting, becoming more and more a path. And then it says, turn right, and I look up. It's as if the enchanted forest, there are tree limbs coming over. There are shadows. There's a sign that says, do not enter. No through traffic. No trespassing. And I'm like, Siri, you are seriously, you need Jesus. She's setting me up for death right then and there. I thought, I'm not doing it. So I turned the car around, and, and I'm, I'm scurrying back. I thought, I don't even know how I'm going to get home. I may travel around forever. Somebody else is going to have to preach Sunday. I'm not going to make it back, but I'm not going up that road. I say all that to say this. Life will take you down some crazy, crazy roads. It'll take you down some paths that you think, how did I even get here? I should have taken the toll road because that was the good road. That's the one that we pay for. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. My understanding is thinking, I can make up time. I I can bypass all this stuff. Seek his will in all you do, and he'll show you which path to take. Abram convinced Sarai to go along with the lie of deception. In fear, in fear for his life, Abram and Sarai told everyone that she was Abram's sister. The problem is, when you come to the place that you are scheming in order to avoid the issue, you will soon find yourself in deeper trouble. Let me say that again. When you come to the place that you are scheming just to avoid the issue, you will find yourself in deeper trouble, deeper problems. We'll see this transpire in just a few moments. Response number two, Abram moved from confidence to fear. He was afraid that harm would come upon him if the truth was revealed. Apparently, Sarai was quite the beautiful woman. Abram was afraid that Pharaoh would harm him just to get to his wife. So he moved forward in fear. Tonight, if you're here and you're facing fear in your life, I want you to know that fear is not from God. He has not placed that inside of you. In fact, the Bible says that for God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. God has not called you to walk in fear. He has not set us up with this characteristic, but instead He gives us power and love and a sound mind. Yet for one reason or another, Abram failed to walk in the character that God had given him. The confidence He once had to step out in faith to leave his native country, to leave his relatives, to leave his father's family, to follow to a place, an unknown place, simply trusting God. This confidence that once led him on a journey is now replaced with fear of what some earthly man might do. See, to the people... Pharaoh was looked upon as a lowercase g God, but he was not the capital G one and only God. He was not the true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yet Abram 
began to cower in fear. What might happen if Pharaoh sees Sarai? What will he do to me? But didn't God say in verse 3 of Genesis 12 that God would bless those that bless Abram and he would curse those that curse Abram? So why is it now that just a few verses later, Abram is, for some reason or another, taking things in his own hands? God had already promised to take care of him. Why do we try it on our own? How many of you know that God is more capable to take care of us than we could ever take care of ourselves? Let me say that again. God is more capable to take care of you than you could ever take care of yourself. I encourage you tonight, lean upon God. Trust in God. He has your best interest in mind. Over and over at the beginning of Genesis 12, we see God saying, I will. When God says, I will, you can take it to the bank and he says to Abram, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you famous. I will bless those that bless you. I will bless those that curse you. I will. And suddenly Abram, out of his own energy and his own mindset and his own thinking, he begins to say, but they will. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. Fear stepped in. And faith stepped out. See, fear and faith can never walk side by side. It's one or the other. The God track or the self track, the toll road or the scary road. Which path will you walk tonight? Will you embrace the fear or will you walk in faith? We have a third response by Abram. Abram moved from others to self. Here is what Abram figured out in his own mind. If I just tell them that Sarai is my sister, they'll spare my life. Everything will be well. Everything will go great. He says in verse 13 that if they would just lie about the relationship, it can't hurt. It'll just help out our situation. Take a look what it says. Genesis 12, 13. So please tell them you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. But how many of you know that a lie is never the answer. Let me say that again. A lie is never the answer. Whether it's a little lie, a white lie, a little stretching of the truth, a bold-faced lie, guess what? All of those are still a lie. Anything less than the whole truth is a lie. Anything less than the whole truth 
is a lie and therefore cannot be blessed by God. Abram, in this moment, he lost focus. He began to look at self. But he was the husband. He was the leader. One commentary I was reading stated they were up to a thousand people traveling with Abram. He was to lead these people. Yet in this moment, he did not lead because he lost focus. I encourage you, don't lose focus. Keep your eyes stayed upon that which God has set before you. Don't lose sight of the end goal. God had told Abram, leave your native country, leave your relatives, leave your father's family, and I will take you to a place that I will show you. And now he loses focus and says, let me take the matters in my own hand because I'm scared for my life. But God had just said, I'll bless bless you. I'll bless those that bless you. I'll curse those that curse you. But Abram said, but he'll kill me. Abram began to scheme, taking things in his own hands getting focus off of others and those that he was leading and moving the focus to self. The fourth response, Abram moved from bringing blessing to bringing judgment. Wow. What a change. What a shift. I'll make you the father of many nations. I'll bless those that bless you. Every person, every family on the earth will be blessed because of you. And suddenly there's a shift because of the response of Abram. And no longer is the blessing being given. No longer is a blessing being laid out. But suddenly judgment is set in motion. Again, your decisions in life have a greater impact than your limited mind can comprehend so abram takes sarai to be his wife and total judgment sets in the bible says that terrible plagues set in here's what i find interesting abram was called to be a blessing but in this moment he brought on the judgment What are you bringing along with you in the journey? In your relationships, in your connections with people? What are you bringing along with you? Are you bringing the blessing? Or are you bringing judgments? Here's what I've discovered. True blessings come when we walk in the will of God. True blessings come when we walk in the will of God. Is it always easy to walk in the will of God? No. You see, you're going to have some crossroads when you look over at your wife and you see how beautiful she is and you think, let's just tell everybody she's my sister. Because you fear for your life. It may not be that drastic, but there are going to be some difficult moments where you have a choice to make. Do I trust in God or do I trust in self? But as you begin to walk in the will of God, as you begin to walk in the direction of God, as you begin to let Him lead your steps and guide your path, I believe that true blessing will walk side by side with you, and that's what you'll bestow upon those around you. 
Abram not only brought about judgment and plagues upon Pharaoh and his family, but Abram lost his witness before men. Did you grab a hold of that? I mean, he served the one true God, and now here he is lying to the the whole nation. He lost his credibility. He lost his witness. Abram, do you trust God or not? Do you believe in God or not? Are you relying upon him or not? Because of this lie, Abram was set as an embarrassment and asked to leave. What a ruin of the witness of God. The third effect that I see is this. The object of our focus determines our outcome. The object of our focus determines our outcome. Abram and Lot got to the point where in verse 6 of chapter 13, it tells us that the land could not support both Abram and Lot along with all their flocks and herds. So disputes began to break out between all the herdsmen. Abram realized a separation was needed, so he allowed Lot to choose what area he wanted. Now, at this point, Abram and Lot had different viewpoints. Abram had just had another one of his worship moments. He had kind of returned to the altar and refocused his life. His focus was back on pleasing God and doing God's will. Yet, at the same time, Lot had tasted the worldliness of Egypt and was basing everything off what was there. Here's a great lesson of life. Never abandon the altar of God. Never abandon the altar of God. What do I mean by this? Never separate yourself from the place of total surrender and total worship of God. The moment you begin to separate yourself, you will find that your focus shifts to the temporary of the world. Something else is always going to look a little sweeter. Something else is always going to look a little better. Something else is always going to be a little more enticing. But the results... Is always the same. Destruction, defeats, sorrow, hurts, and regrets. See, the focus of Lot was the area around Sodom. What it had to offer. It was enticing. It was a view of the world. You may, not, you may not even realize what's happening as this is occurring. You, you see yourself being enticed by what's happening around. You see yourself being drawn in. Look at the de- deterioration of Lot and his family. In Genesis 13, they were looking toward Sodom. It says, Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zor. The whole area was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. Everything looked beautiful. He began to see all the world had to offer rather than relying upon God and what he had to offer. And then we see him move not just from looking towards Sodom, we see him moving towards Sodom. In verse 11 it says, Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan and Lot moved his tents 
to the place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But it was not good enough for Lot just to be close to Sodom. You see, he looked upon Sodom. He moved towards Sodom. There was so much more to offer, at least he thought. The problem was, verse 13 tells us that the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against God. He placed himself in a compromised area. Do you understand that sin is enticing for a season? The things of this world are exciting for a moment. Lot found himself looking upon all this fertile soil, looking upon all this beautiful land and thought, that's where we need to be. Putting blinders and saying, I don't really care what they're doing. I don't care that they're sinning against God. I don't care that they're wicked in everything they do. I want this land. But the problem is, he set his family in the midst of destruction. How often are we enticed by the glitz and the glamour of life? We overlook the fact that it's displeasing to God simply because it looks appealing. It has everything to offer. It's what happened in Lot's life. The glamour and all the world had to offer was drawing him in. But he didn't stay on the outskirts of town. Chapter 14, verse 12 tells us, The Lot moved into the city. Did you see what happened here? He gazed upon the city. He was drawn to the city. He moved to the edge of the city. Now in chapter 14, he moved into the city of Sodom. Himself, his family, and all that traveled with them went into the city. Lot moved from the blessing of God and embraced the sin that the world had to offer. In Revelation chapter 2, we see a message to the church of Ephesus. It's what I believe is one of the saddest words that the Lord has ever given. He says this to the church in Ephesus, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work. Your patient endurance. I I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they're apostles but are not. You have discouraged, you have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. And I look at Lot. A man that once walked side by side with Abram. A man that once had faith in God and we don't know where we're going. We don't know what's around the corner, but we believe God's going to lead us. He gets a taste of the world. Begins to be enticed by what it has to offer. Peers upon the sinful city. Takes a little step closer, looks in a little bit more. 
brings everybody with him. They go to the outskirts of town. They, they can smell the excitements. They see all the things it has to offer. They move themselves in. And they lose sight of their first love. God's talking to the church of Ephesus. And he says, guys, on paper, you guys look great. But I've got this complaint. And you go through the motions. But you don't love me like you once did. You don't love one another like you once did. Look how far you've fallen. Look how far you've separated yourself. In other words, you're doing the work, but your heart's lost focus. You no longer love me like you once did. I believe that's where we find Lot. He's fallen in love with the world. He's lost sight of his first love and he's taking his family down with him. Yet at the same time, we see Abram. Abram makes this shift back to following after God. No longer living for self, but now living for and serving others. He saw the need to put others first. He had everything, every right to tell Lot what to do and where to go, but he allowed Lot to make the decision for himself. Abram also began to live by faith rather than by what he saw. He could have said, I want the fertile soil. I'm the leader of this crew. I get the best land. But he says, I'm going to trust God. Lot lifted his eyes to what he saw in front of him, but Abram began to lift his eyes toward God for direction of where to go and how to get there. Verse 15 tells us that God invited Abram to look beyond the immediate and receive the promise of God. I challenge you tonight, look beyond the immediate. Look beyond right where you are and receive the promise of God. Lot responded to Abram. And he said this, I will take. But God responded to Abram and said, I will give. Say that again. Lot responded to Abram and said, I will take. But God responded to Abram and said, I will give. What a difference. Lot lost it all in the end. Yet Abram was promised a family so large that it could never be counted. Yet this promise required movement on the part of Abram. Verse 17 tells us that God instructed him once again to go. You may be here tonight. And God wants to give you a promise. But you're too busy focusing on the wrong direction. You're looking at the map that Siri has in front of you and you think, I can save a couple bucks. I can make up the, the nine-minute time difference. I think I'll choose this other path. And you've lost sight. 
challenge you tonight. Turn your eyes toward Jesus. Warren Wearsby once said this, it is your faith in God that determines how much of his blessing you will enjoy. Where is your faith tonight? Stop putting your faith in what this world has to offer. Stop putting your faith in what this world is enticing you with. But move your faith to the throne room of God. It's there and only there will you find the real blessing. God, I pray right now for every person in this room. Lord, I believe that there are those here right now that have been enticed by the things around them. They've seen the glitz. They've seen the glamour. They see what this world has to offer. And they're being drawn towards Sodom. The problem is there's an impact to their obedience or lack thereof. So Lord, I pray that tonight you'll wake us up. Bring us back to our first love. Reset our focus upon you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Bring us back to your throne.